Welcome to the third episode of Gear Up. I'm Chris Foster, Senior Editor of Triathlete Magazine, and you're listening to Triathlete's brand new monthly podcast that takes a look at the latest trends, the hot button topics, and lifts the curtain on all of that crazy tri-related gear that you love and sometimes love to hate. This week, we're diving into the relatively uncharted waters of aquatic tech. Our special guest today is Peter Monahan, founder and CEO of On Course Goggles, who will walk us through the origin story of his unique pair of goggles that'll actually help you swim in a straight line, conceivably taking more time off your next try than a new pair of wheels. Peter also shares with us a harrowing tale about how he first got involved in water sports and water safety tech to help create a device that was intended to save children from drowning based on his own son's near fatal accident and how he later took an idea that didn't have a solution into a novel product that everyone can now buy. We also get into the nitty gritty about Bluetooth and GPS in the water and why it's so much harder than you might think to get it right and talk some of Peter's favorite other innovations in the endurance sports world. Finally, we'll get an inside look into some very unconventional uses of the technology he originally developed to help you swim in a straight line and how that same tech could help with one of the most common swimming technique errors that triathletes are guilty of. And we get a sneak peek into how he might use his unique technology in the future to make you fast outside of the water as well. We'll dive in right after this quick break. Don't miss a try thing, so subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to get everything right into your feed. We've got our awesome weekly podcast, The Triathlete Hour, with Triathlete Editor-in-Chief Kelly O'Mara, where she covers everything try. We've got our bi-weekly training podcast with managing editor and former pro triathlete Emma Kate Lidbury called Fitter and Faster. Guess what that's about? and our audio archive of monthly triathlete live shows where you get to be the interviewer and you get to ask the heavy try hitters in our sport what's on your mind. And last but not least, be sure to subscribe to Gear Up so you can stay up on all the inside tech talk. Don't be that guy or gal at your next training ride, virtual or otherwise, whose only contribution to the gear conversation is, my bike has aero bars. You're better than that. Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. Hi, this is Chris Foster, uh, Senior Editor of Triathlete Magazine. We're here today uh, for our next edition of Gear Up Podcast. We have our special guest, Peter Monahan. He's the CEO and founder of On Course Goggles. Um, he, uh, they began shipping this unique um, kind of direction adjusting, trying to help, help you keep straight um, goggle system. Um, they started shipping back in November of 2019. And uh, he's joining us today from Atlanta, Georgia, to talk a little bit about his goggles, to talk about tech in general, um, and just maybe a little bit about the future of you know, technology in the water. Um, he's an electrical contractor by trade, um, but he specializes more in the exotic software-driven automation lighting control. He doesn't just do outlets and light switches. Um, though he's not a swimmer himself, uh, he is steeped in technology. He's got some, some really cool projects he's worked on um, in his background that we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, but I'm very excited to have uh, Peter on our program. So welcome, Peter. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. So um, we spoke a little bit before uh, before we dive into to OnCourse and then again uh, later into some of the more um, like general swim tech stuff. Um, but tell me a little bit. I know you worked in um, some RFID tech uh, previously and you had a little bit of a personal story about that. Could you share that with us? Yeah, um, at, um, 
back in 2004, my son Kyle, he was about three years old at the time, um, he was in a near drowning accident. And um, I think in part, that's why I'm very uh, sensitive to issues about water safety. And mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why I'm involved with uh, on-course goggles. Mm -hmm. um, he's okay today, but um, as a result of that accident, it, it sort of reset my circuit breakers, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, kind of an electrical contractor pun there. <laughs> and um, it, it just made me rethink about, you know, what I was doing as a dad, what I was doing, you know, in my career. Right. And I scaled back my, uh, you know, my day-to-day -day activities in the field. And I started to focus on technology that might prevent that sort of thing from happening to um, other people in the future. Mm -hmm. So I developed an RFID technology that worked with um, the uh, uh, RFID tags that would be worn by a child, and then we would place RFID readers on the property. And the idea was that if a child left um, the house, for example, went mm -hmm. out of the range of the reader, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the range of the reader, or got near a swimming pool, mm -hmm. we would uh, receive notification that you know they were in this unsafe area. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So the uh, product evolved, and we you know, integrated it with a very popular home automation software product that was on the market already. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time, um, it, um, uh, you know, insurance was an issue because it was a life safety product. Right. So we kind of rebranded the product It it never saw, you know, my vision of being a life safety product. Um, but, um, it is still used today for, uh, home automation, lighting control, mm -hmm. personnel detection, that sort of thing. So like today it's use is more like, uh, you know, you walk up to door to a door, it unlocks, you walk into a room, the lights go on, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. If you pull into your property, it might open the gate. It might, you know, open the, uh, your smart lock automatically turn on the lights when you arrive. Uh -huh. But if, uh, your partner came home with a different RFID tag, it might turn on different lights and adjust the uh -huh. temperature differently in the house. So it, it gave people both an automation and a very personalized experience. I know my wife and I would love that. She would have it nice and cold. I would have it nice and hot. She would yeah. have the lights super bright. I would have it super dim. I'm already visualizing this whole thing. That we sounds go through awesome. the same thing here. So I understand. <laughs> Probably very universal. Um, so that, I mean, RFID is, you know, obviously completely different field than um, what you're what you ended up doing with OnCourse and just kind of walk our listeners through, um, OnCourse goggles, just if they've never heard of it, um, kind of explain what it does. And then we'll get into the tech a little bit later, but just the basics of, of what goes on with these goggles. Okay. So, um, I should say that, you know, um, uh, the, uh, I guess it was six years ago. Um, a good friend of mine introduced me to Denise and Denise, uh, who you're familiar with, had this idea mm -hmm. of uh, creating some sort of a navigation guidance system for swimmers that would help them swim straight. Mm -hmm. And um, Barry introduced me to Denise because he said, you know, if anybody can pull this off, it, it, it would be Peter. Mm -hmm. Those were his words, not mine. Right. <laughs> and so um, it, it seemed to me to be, you know, um, 
something worth investigating at least. I didn't really understand what the problem was. Right. Uh, I didn't understand the anxiety factor, you know, right. and all that. It's one of those things and that so seems I like, why don't you just... took it under consideration and yeah. uh, met with Denise, and mm -hmm. she, you know, had this idea to create something, but she didn't quite know how to create it. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, and I have to admit, at the time, I didn't know either. Mm -hmm. So, I spent the better part of a year... Um, the thinking it over and basically saying I, I can't get involved because I don't see any way to adapt technology to do this mm. in a way that you could protect the intellectual property. Right. Oh, so interesting. I just didn't want to put capital at risk at right. that stage of my life unless I knew that we could um, uh, protect it because right. I was sort of semi-retired at the time. And, um, and um, I was, I would come out of retirement to work on it. Right. So, right. Um, then I went for a hike one day with my dog in the woods and I don't know why, but I brought a boy scout compass with me just to kind of reminisce about the old days. <laughs> and as I did that, I, you know, I was trying to plot my course through the woods and relying on my old compass skills and a light came on and I looked at my smartphone and said, Hey, I think I can do something with an electronic compass. Oh. So it was at that point, about a year after the introduction was made, that you know um, I actually came up with the idea to use a, a 3D uh, magnetometer with mm -hmm. an accelerometer built in mm -hmm. uh, in a pair of swimming goggles that would help you set a bearing. Mm -hmm. So you set a target bearing, mm -hmm. and then if you deviate the, from that target bearing, we provide feedback to the swimmer to say you're drifting at the wrong angle or your mm -hmm. body has turned, excuse me, right. at the wrong angle. So right. there, there's really two modes of auto automation to the goggles. Um, one is basic compass mode, which basically detects your uh, angle of orientation. Have mm -hmm. you, are you deviating your torso or your head from the uh, target bearing that you sent? Mm -hmm. And then there's a more sophisticated mode where we actually use um, a GNSS module in the goggles. Hmm. Most people know that as GPS. Right. But um, a GNSS module uh, combines both uh, GPS, which is the U.S.-based satellites, mm -hmm. and the GLONASS satellites, which, which are Soviet-based. Mm -hmm. So um, we pick up basically double the amount of satellites as most GPS technology. And mm -hmm. that was crucial for being able to use that feature in the water. Right, yeah, because GPS doesn't work so well in the water, right? Right. Yeah. So, But we came up with very, very innovative ideas, and we actually solved that part of the equation very early on uh -huh. because – what we do is we use the um, uh, the accelerometer within the goggles to determine the head position of the swimmer, right? Mm. And so that head position, the sensing of the head position lets us do several things. Mm -hmm. We can say, you know, inhibit the feedback while the swimmer is turning their head to breathe, mm. right? We can say don't allow them to set the target bearing if they're not – you know, upright and actually facing the target. We don't right. want them to actually set the, tar <laughs> Straight the down. target if they're facing down, right? <laughs> right. So it, it, you know, all depends upon your line of sight and setting the target. Oh, interesting. But the other thing that we did very early on was we developed a way to detect the position of the swimmer's head. Mm -hmm. And so when we get a GPS fix, mm -hmm. When we're in um, what's called drift mode mm -hmm. or GPS mode, mm -hmm. we are determining the position of the swimmer's head and collecting the GPS data at that point in time mm. and only at that point in time. Oh. So you're right. The GPS signal will not 
um, travel through water. Right. And as a matter of fact, it will not, it, it's often reflected off the surface of the water, but uh-huh. our algorithm compensates for all of that. And we get really, really good accuracy with the GPS. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't even know about the reflection. That's, mm-hmm. that's totally new to me. Yeah. So I know that's been a big challenge for a lot of, you know, wristwatch GPSs because, you know, obviously you get a split second, I guess, when you're, when you can actually receive that signal. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so you mentioned feedback in the goggles and I just, so we're mm-hmm. clear for the, the reader, um, or I'm sorry, for the listeners, <laughs> um, when you're wearing the on-course goggles, you get an LED, right? Um, right. Can you kind of explain what that looks like just for someone who has no idea? You know, we've talked about the guts a little bit, but practically speaking. Sure. You can, um, the best way to describe it is to say we have uh, three colored LEDs in each lens, mm-hmm. right? And they very closely mimic colors that you're accustomed to with traffic lights. Mm. So there's a green LED, a red LED, and a yellow LED. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make it really, really intuitive when mm-hmm. we designed the product, right? So um, the the if the, it's think of it like a video game. The mm-hmm. goal is to keep both LEDs green at all times, <laughs> right? And if you do, you're on course. Right. If you deviate a little bit to the left, the left yellow LED mm-hmm. uh, will illuminate mm-hmm. and tell you your your torso is turned in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, move your torso back to the right. Okay. If you go to the extreme and you go even further to the left, which most people never do, okay. they receive a red LED feedback to say you're really far off. Right. 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 Okay. So as long as you can keep the LEDs green, um, uh, you will, um, you'll stay on course. It's really that simple. That's really cool. The, the, uh, um, one of the things about the technology is, uh, I'm stuttering and stammering here for a minute. You might have to do a little bit of an edit. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But the, um, um, the, the goggles aren't just a feedback system to tell you how to turn your torso. Right they really can be used as a biofeedback system, right? Okay. So a lot of people might say, well, when I first start using the goggles, I notice that the, the uh, LEDs change from green to yellow mm-hmm. a little bit more than I would want them to. Right. And truthfully, that's not because of the technology. That's because of the technique. Oh, interesting. So if you correct your swimming technique so that you aren't – moving your torso as you stroke. Right. You're not snaking. You're be, they call it you're snaking. Gonna be, yeah, yeah, right. You're going to be a much more efficient swimmer. And so to that extent, we're both a biofeedback system to tell you to correct your form oh. and a navigation guidance system. That's fascinating. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that at all. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I've used it a bit, but um, and as someone who's a notorious snaker, and a lot of our listeners are because triathletes are some of the worst when it comes to um, snaking in the water. We have a lot of runners and you know, lacking core strength or maybe overtrained. Um, there's a lot of reasons people, you know, don't have that taut core is the thing that coaches always talk about. Um, and it sounds like this technology could be a, a cool way of, you know, working on that technique. Have you had anyone, um, use it just for that purpose, maybe in the pool? Well, we, um, we really shouldn't be used in a pool and I'll tell you why. Um, there, the magnetometer in the pool, I mean, in the goggles is extremely sensitive. Mm. You know, the Earth's magnetic field is not that strong at all, right? right? And so the magnetometer needs to be rather sensitive. Okay. In many cases, there are electrical currents that are um, uh, uh, 
traveling around the pool for the pool uh, pump and the filtration system that generate magnetic fields and the iron content in the reinforcement reinforcing bars within the pool uh-huh. will throw the magnetometer off. Oh wow. Okay. So in so, a lot of pools, if you're, you know, if you're in the center of a large Olympic sized pool, mm-hmm. you'll have really good results and you hmm. could do that for training. Right. Okay. But in a smaller pool, um, where you're closer to the, the reinforced walls, mm-hmm. there's a really high iron content in there. And, if you've ever taken just a Boy Scout compass and put it near a piece of metal, you can mm-hmm. see what happens to oh, yeah. it. The same thing would um, happen with the goggles. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have thought of that either. <laughs> so, well, we tried it. And, yeah. and we actually, we wondered early on, why are we struggling, you know, in the pool right. here? <laughs> right. Why do we have this inaccuracy? And then when we just were able to duplicate it with a mechanical compass, it, compass, it was a, a no-brainer. We yeah. just... Realize it was because of the iron content. Right. Too much unnatural stuff in the pool. Another another big uh, shout out for people who swim in the open water almost exclusively. Like I know, at least for me and everyone during, you know, the pandemic, open water has been a, a sanctuary. I mean, you know, pool time is yeah. tough to get, schedules, some aren't even open yet. Um, so I know at least me and the other editors, we've been pushing people, you know, as safely as they can um, head out in the open water. So I think that's, um, this is another good reason, less iron, well, less weird a lot fields. Of the, a lot of the, uh, less iron. And a lot of the events here in Georgia are still canceled, even for oh, yeah. uh, practice events and that sort of thing, right? Absolutely. One yeah. of the things that um, came up during product development when we were doing uh, sort of like focus group at these different open water swims mm-hmm. was um, I didn't realize how many swimmers were afraid to enter the sport of triathlon because of the swimming component. Oh, absolutely. They were so concerned that they wouldn't be able to perform Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the thinking was, well, if we could provide you with a product that would help you stay on course, Mm -hmm. hence the name, would you, um, is that something that you would be interested in? Would you invest in technology like that? And they said, absolutely. You know, I would, I think it's going to bring more people to the sport of triathlon. I really do. I agree. And, and sighting is, I mean, it's such a hard thing to work into your stroke. I mean, it's, you know, I was a a pro for years in triathlon and it was something that I only got down when I started only swimming in the open water, because when you're in the pool, you just, there's no reason for it. But if it's built into your stroke, every time you do it, it throws you off. Um, so yeah, I mean, sighting is huge for triathletes and if you can remove that, I mean, that's, that's super cool. Um, so just kind of going a little more general um the where else it sounds like you've kind of got your your eyes at least on lots of different parts of technology you've got the rfid you do the home mm-hmm. automation um now with on course so do you see anywhere else you know big gaps in technology for for swimmers or i mean since you're not a swimmer yourself you know we could even apply it to to biking or running do, have you seen anything out there where you're like wow that you know why don't we have this or or that thing is so behind right now. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It, it is it's the bicycling component where I see that there's technology that is lacking, uh-huh. and I have a product under development right now. <laughs> I can't tell you a lot about oh. the technology, but of course, you know, I'm going to be excited about it. You know, right, there's right. there's a patent application that needs to be handled soon, sure, um, because we need to protect the intellectual property, of course. Um, I can tell you that the technology will 
act as a biofeedback mechanism for cyclists okay. to give them uh, critical information they need real time to correct their posture. Okay. But I, their posture and positioning, right? Sure. I, I can't go into much more detail than that. Okay. But it is, that's an area where I saw that the technology was lacking. Oh, interesting. Um, did that come and, from your experience with OnCourse? Just the the fact that you you know we talked about that kind of position, or was that just a completely different idea? Yeah, it was as I started developing the technology with OnCourse goggles that I realized that the components that we were building into the circuit board mm-hmm. were um, so adaptable mm-hmm. and could be used for so many different things that we'd you know be crazy not to try to adapt them to other components of um, the sport, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a very, uh, I don't want to say easy leap, but, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's a very simple leap to go from what we've already developed mm-hmm. into something for cycling. As a matter of fact, our patent protects us for, um, uh, the same sort of technology that could be worn on in a helmet. Mm-hmm. Like we could provide the same sort of feedback, uh, in oh. a, in a cycle helmet for orientation, sure, it would it would never really really work in that regard because right. the path is not a straight line, right? right. And, and so early on, that was you know trying to find a way that we could uh, develop a technology without pre-programming the course in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was critical to our product development. Right. I mean. Um, I remember sitting on my porch when a bunch of us were discussing the uh, technology and what we were going to include mm-hmm. in there. And by the time everybody got done, I said, you know, I'm going to need a battery the size of a car battery to power <laughs> all this. Right. I don't think they're going to swim very well with a car battery strapped <laughs> to their back. So yeah, might lose took, the gains back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we took, we took every uh, bit of unnecessary technology out of the design mm-hmm. until it just broke it and it right. didn't work anymore. And then oh, we added that one part back in that made it work. Interesting. Right? Um, you know, I think Steve Jobs had some famous quote about a laser printer when Apple made the first laser writer. Mm-hmm. You know, 20,000 moving parts inside that printer Nobody <laughs> wants to know how it works. Right. They just want to hit print right. and they want to see the paper come out the other side. Right, right. And I kept thinking about that and said, this has to be so intuitive. Mm-hmm. We just want people to tap a button mm-hmm. and swim. Yeah. And really, that's what led us to the simplicity of our design. So, I mean, you, you mentioned it really quickly, but not programming in a course is a big deal because when I think of, um, you know, something that helps keep you on course, I think of like waypoints on a Mm -hmm. GPS um, and how that would probably not work at all for swimming because, you know, I mean, buoys are never where they're supposed to be. Um, We've seen this at Kona. Sometimes they drift, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they can be in the wrong spot. So that's, that's really cool that you work independently of that because I imagine that would just be, I mean, it would be a disaster probably. Yeah. We were watching right around the time that we announced that our product was going to come to market. And when we started our Kickstarter campaign, you know, several years ago, Mm -hmm. a product came to market that was, that did require that you pre-program it in advance. I mean, you needed to know the course. Right. And I didn't see any utility in that, quite yeah. frankly. And that's that's what we didn't want to be. Right. When right. we were you know, figuring out how we were going to make this technology work. Right. And the key to the technology is, you know, uh, 
knowing which direction the swimmer is facing when they look at a target and then storing that target bearing as mm -hmm. an electronic compass point. Mm -hmm. And then we compare to that angle um, throughout right. the course of the swim. Right. Um, so just again, kind of getting more general, uh, mm -hmm. who are you seeing from, you know, from the on-course perspective, who do you see adapting most easily to, you know, this technology? Are you seeing it as, as open water swimmers, pool swimmers who want to go open, triathletes? Who, who are your, your main customers, I guess? I think it's open water swimmers, but, you know, we've been at a deficit because of COVID, right? right. Every triathlon has been canceled. Um, I think, you know, we, the, of course, that's part of our target market. But, um, you know, when triathlon opens back up again and we start to see competitions, it's going to be really hard to miss that our goggles are being worn somebody because of their bright blue color. <laughs> right, they're and, very distinct. And, yeah. And so they're USA, you know, they're USAT Ironman approved for mm -hmm. all sanctioned events. Mm -hmm. um, we went through that approval process long before we put any capital at risk. So yeah. um, uh, I think, you know, eventually we'll be there. Mm -hmm. But for the time being, I think our target market is the open water swimmer that either swims for recreational use, their mm -hmm. own personal enjoyment, mm -hmm. personal fitness, who, you know, want the peace of mind. Um, they, they don't want to worry about where they're heading. Mm. Right. Um, because every other product in the market tells you where you've been. Right. You know, we're the only product that helps you get where you're going. <laughs> That's okay. good. Yeah. So, so, um, and that was conscious, that was a very conscious decision. Like, mm. why would we want to join a field of everybody else that's telling you where you've already been? Right. You know, anybody can do that. We want right. to do something that nobody's done before. So I think, you know, in terms of recreational swimmers, organized open water swimmers, mm -hmm. even competitive that aren't doing triathlon. Right. Um, I think, and, and I was surprised we're getting a lot of ocean swimmers that are buying the product. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Um, that's but where I, I use it. That, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, um, that's our target market right now. And it's going to evolve into triathlon when mm -hmm. it opens back up. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always been part of our plan mm -hmm. and well, COVID wasn't part of our plan, but the <laughs> triathlons were. Right. And I think we're going to attract a whole different class and quantity of swimmers to the sport mm -hmm. who otherwise were um, uh, afraid to enter a competitive yeah. race because of their swimming performance. Like yeah. a lot of people don't know that if you don't complete the swimming leg of a triathlon within a prescribed period of time, you're disqualified. Yeah. 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 And yep. when we had our Ironman, uh, our booth at Ironman Florida a few years ago, I can't tell you how many people we met at our booth that were disqualified because it took them more than two hours. Oh, yeah. I know. It's so sad. Meters. Yeah. All, so, all, well, two, yeah, 2.4 miles. But yeah, it's, yeah. And all that work, you know, I mean, and to not even get, you know, a third of the way, basically, into the into the race, it's just your day is right. done. So if we gave them a mechanism, you know, these uh, some of those swimmers, they don't ever plan to come in first place. Right. They just want to be able, like other people, to say, "Hey, I I completed Finished. a triathlon." Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. We're a, we're a very useful tool in that regard to help them achieve achieve that goal. Yeah. So, cool. I, I don't think we're going to make uh, a, a whole class of first place. Uh, winners, you <laughs> right. know, in every age and class and um, uh, demographic, but I think we're going to help a lot of these people that otherwise wouldn't be able to complete a race, right? Or maybe wouldn't have even started in the first place. 
Oh, because the top swimmers, they've got sighting figured out already, right? Right, they, right, right. they can do it naturally and inherently. <clears throat> right. So any, um, just kind of, again, getting more general, um, mm -hmm. any, any pieces of tri-related tech, um, and it doesn't have to be in the water, um, mm -hmm. that you think are exciting right now? Just talking about other things that are out there that you're like, ooh, that's an interesting, you know, application of engineering. I'm thinking more from kind of your, that mindset that, that our readers would be, or our listeners would be like, Oh yeah. Well, other than what I explained already, I think, you know, <laughs> we've got the great, the great idea, but right, right, right. <laughs> um, there's a technology and I, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a, it's a form of resistance, mm -hmm. uh, uh, building. You, it's a, you actually replace your wheel during training. Mm -hmm. So when you're cycling, uh, for, uh, training events, you can mm -hmm. actually increase the resistance of your front wheel and it's all done electronically. So you can control the, uh, oh. the braking or the resistance of the wheel while you're I out on the that, road. You know, build, I'm sorry. While you're out on the road. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I haven't heard of that. That's crazy. So while you're doing training, um, you are able to, uh, change the resistance of the front wheel. So even if you're, uh, cycling on level ground, mm-hmm you can put yourself at a mechanical disadvantage, so to say, or a physical disadvantage to increase the, um, the resistance oh. so that you're, you're building muscle, right. you know, um, uh, while you're cycling. Right. Well, I'm now, thinking right away, like, uh, if you live in Florida and you've got mm -hmm. a hilly Ironman, you know, what are you gonna do? Ride over causeways all day. Right. So, <laughs> so you right. can, you can simulate Hills. That's cool. I, I have never heard of that. That's fascinating. Yeah. What? So, you know, we were out bicycling the other day. We've got some beautiful greenways here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our complaint was that it's all flat. Right. I mean, we ride is so flat that we're right. not really getting any cardiac benefit out of right. it. You know? Right. So um, we did find a course recently, but I, you know, I think it's a cool technology that everybody's trying to go faster, right? <laughs> but, but they're not, uh, <laughs> but they're not, you know, building their core. And I think that's right. kind of cool to help people. Uh, help them build their core. Oh, that, that sounds like a very triathlon thing. I mean, if we can find a way to make something harder or more extreme, that's definitely the, the triathlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or buy another bike. Right? right. Exactly. If there's something that we can a buy B yeah. make tough and C like probably freak out your friends and be like, yeah, I bought this wheel to go slower. Like that's, that's a triathlete mind right there. <laughs> you know, uh, and along those lines, I mean, when we started product development, um, there was, a, there was technology that assisted triathletes in every component of a competition, whether it was mm -hmm. running, cycling, right? The only place that we didn't have technology was in the swimming component. Yeah. And then, uh, that other company came along with the, uh, the GPS device that required, you know, um, pre-programming, mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we announced shortly after that. So I think I'm not, I think we're the only company that's providing technology for a swim component right now, um, except, I mean, for navigation. Right, right. So, you know, there's another company that provides a heads up display or yep. in the eyepiece display. But once again, as I said earlier, that talks about where you've been right, right. and what you've done. And right. we're more concerned about where you're going. Right, right. Have you we're ever more... had any, any discussion with other companies about, um, you know, has anyone approached you about, oh, let's bring that technology into our thing or um, any discussions with, with brands like that? 
There's a discussion underway right now, and I think eventually you're going to see integration with the Garmin watch. Oh, wow. So we've already um, uh, written uh, an iOS app that will let us talk to the goggles. Oh, good. Um, so we can – that was basically used during uh, development. So mm -hmm. uh, we could monitor the head position and get a lot of data points out of it without bringing a laptop to the lake, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> but um, – it was uh, very important for us to keep, you know, battery size and physical size right. to a minimum in the initial design. And we really had to lean it out. So in the first iteration, we don't have Bluetooth built in, but right. in future iteration, we will. Oh, cool. And that'll give us uh, uh, some integration with uh, Garmin products if oh. we go that route. Oh, that's great. Yeah, the Bluetooth expandability would be great. I think that mm -hmm. that'd be really cool. But I know that's also pretty hard, right? What's the... Um, this is just kind of another interesting tech point, but you know, what makes Bluetooth tough in in goggles and water? And I mean, it just seems like that's kind of a challenge for a lot of brands. Yeah. You've got to have some buffering involved because the Bluetooth technology, just like the GPS radio signal doesn't want to work underwater. Mm. It's, um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> So you've got to do some buffering and storage, and then when you're communicating, like I mentioned earlier, when the head is in the exact correct position, mm -hmm. yeah, if with integration to the watch, for example, you'd have to have both the watch and our goggles in the same position, and mm -hmm. then you would transfer the data. So there'd be some, you know, averaging and buffering and that sort of thing that would have to happen to make it work right. But I already have a proof of concept for that. So oh, cool. And when you and, say uh, like. When you say that moment when, okay, just, just for our listeners that aren't mm -hmm. like super up on this stuff, when you say buffering, you're saying storing, right? Um, until that moment. And when that moment comes, are we talking about like a split second? Like when the hand is, is up by your, your face, or are we talking about like when you're done swimming or like how often does that occur in, let's say a, a minute of swimming? How often does that communication bridge? Well, I guess that depends on how much you turn your head to breathe and how much you take your hand out of the water. But you okay. basically have about a second okay. to sync the data, okay. right? And it's very small packets of data that you'd have to sync up. It's not really a lot to okay. transmit. But, you know, you can think of it in terms of sometimes when your website connection goes down. Right. You're trying to access a web page and there's a little bit of a stall. Right. And then all of a sudden you get the whole page. The flood. Right. Yeah. So that would be sort of the way, you know, what would happen is when we, when the device goes underwater, you'd lose that radio contact. And so once you get the timing right, all the data would update. You know, uh, you, you, disc you discard what's no, not usable and you right. use what's usable. But, oh, that's um, interesting. But it, can, but it can connect that quickly. Like it can connect, disconnect, disconnect. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it'll, it'll still hold on to the connection. You just worry uh, about data corruption when it's uh, below the surface of the water. Oh, so it's not disconnecting or reconnecting. That, it's, it's basically connected. But it's just yeah. not getting a, like a, a signal with confidence, right? Is that kind of the, Right. Oh, okay. Well, that or that you don't you don't trust the data. So gotcha. So you know during our development when we were measuring GPS signal, we knew that the signal underwater was horrible. Mm -hmm. But we knew that before we ever developed it. You know, right. and I have a list here of about 115 items that people told us would never be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And bring in this product to market, but we overcame every single obstacle and we did it anyway. <laughs> uh -huh. And one of them was the antenna design for the um, 
for the GPS component uh-huh. for drift mode of our goggles. When we sent the uh, prototypes to TDK in Japan mm-hmm. for RF test testing in their anechoic chamber, mm-hmm. uh, we were trying to determine the um, ef- efficiency of our antenna. Mm-hmm. We got the report back and shared it with the people that make the GPS module for us. And they thought that we faked the data because it was so good. <laughs> like they thought it was spreadsheet data. And I said, oh, no, funny. this is real data. I mean, this is so incredibly efficient with, you know, what we've been able to accomplish here that, you know, TDK who makes the antenna mm-hmm. and, and the antenna is half, it's, it's half the size of a grain of rice. Crazy. That's small. That's amazing. And the rest of it is our design of the circuit board. So the actual right. circuit board becomes the antenna okay. and, and that little TDK part becomes the coupler that makes the antenna work gotcha. for that frequency. But they thought we faked the data and then we gave them data set after data set after data <laughs> set to show how efficiently it was working. Uh-huh. And, you know, they asked to borrow our design mm-hmm. for other wearable technology. And at the time we said, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to keep it for ourselves for yeah. now. Well, good for so, you. Um, very cool. So I know we talked a little bit about tri-related tech, um, mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned that front wheel that I'd never even heard of, which is super cool. Um, is there anything outside of the, you know, endurance sports industry right now that you as an engineer are just like, wow, that is really cool. I love that. Well, my attention's been focused, you know, on, uh, you know, cycling, running and swimming for like five years of my life here. I can't. <laughs> Sounds like most of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, I think we've needed, we've used that as an analogy many times throughout the Kickstarter campaign was we felt like we were training and then in a triathlon and there were mm-hmm. times when we weren't sure if we were going to complete it, but we, but we did, you know? Mm-hmm. So the comparison's a fair one. Um, I, I think I'm more excited about things that are happening outside of um, uh, this competitive sports right sure. now. And, and like I, like you know, self-driving cars are overrated. I think. <laughs> you know, I, I think the real end game in self-driving vehicles is actually going to be trucks for uh, transportation of goods. Uh-huh. You know, in order to reduce labor costs for transportation, and you know, it'll, I think it'll reduce accidents someday as well. Mm-hmm. So that said, you know, here we are on planet Earth and we are trying to take people out of their vehicles. Right. So, you know, they're not driving themselves around. But in space, we're fighting to put people back into the vehicles <laughs> and 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 do space exploration and travel with, you know, manned spacecraft. Right. So I think the coolest thing out there right now is what SpaceX is doing. Yeah. And with this uh, these Dragon spacecraft, I mean, they they uh, they're making space travel safe and sexy and mm-hmm. affordable and it's just incredible what they're doing i mean they we just in march we sent um uh, astronauts up to the international space station yeah brought them back and you know the boosters were landed you know by guidance systems onto ships that were robotically controlled <laughs> yeah. and they were using a lot of the technology that we use in on course goggles oh, i mean funny. it's all based upon you know gps devices right. accelerometers right. you know um and um and uh i i just think it's remarkable and i think it's overlooked you know the our our present you know culture you know 
society today just is ignoring things that are cool like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, Maybe because I'm a little bit older and I had heroes like (laughs) Mantle and I, you know, watched John Glenn (laughs) go into space and that sort of thing. I just, you know, I I miss, you know, having people like that for a hero, you know, and see all the things are accomplishing because it's not about the travel. Like it's like anything in life. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Right. Right. And, you know, getting there is just as important. And so we overlook all this innovation and development that's necessary to to do it. Right. Um, but everybody benefits from it. Right. Right. Like you know, every battery operated device that we have today, whether it's a cordless drill or you know, came from NASA's space program and landing on the moon. We wouldn't have that technology if it wasn't for the space program. Right. Very cool. So yes, listeners, keep an eye out for the stuff going on with spacex and uh, nasa because it might make your might make its way into your uh, next pair of goggles or your next pair of running shoes <laughs> um well that's all for us today i want to thank uh peter thank you so much for being on uh, gear up our podcast Thanks, um, and, and definitely check out on course goggles um and we'll we'll talk to you all next time thanks so okay, much for tuning thanks, in Chris. thanks